football and other F-words. It's another episode, another loss for the Tennessee Titans, and we just got a lot to discuss. I'm joined by Mike Herndon. You can read his latest piece over at paulkarski.com. The Titans spent the entire offseason trying to straddle the fence between a glow-up and a blow-up, and, and the result is a team that looks aimless and lost. Now the path has been chosen for them, and it's time they embrace it. And essentially, I just totally agree. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff that we both are wrong about, but mainly something that I was wrong about, and that is the players on this team just suck. <laughs> and, and I mean, there's just no polite way to put it. And uh, I'm Zach Lyons because I don't think he even introduced myself. I introduced Mike, but not myself. <laughs> Follow me on X at Efforts Pod, him on Mike Herndon NFL. There's lots of uh, articles over at paulkarski.com, stackingtheinbox.com. We're brought to you by 440 Sports. Sponsorship, Bluegrass Beverages, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Uh, they are the only steadying force in my life that I enjoy right now, uh, besides my wife and my puppies and family. But I mean, like outside of this house, they're the only steadying force I love because the Titans have taken all joy away from me. And they are the most unbearable football team to watch. And that is like saying something about the Tennessee Titans. But you know what's not unbearable to watch is all the stuff that can happen when you imbibe with the alcohol from Bluegrass Beverages, uh, Bluegrass Beverages, Hendersonville, Tennessee, 555 North Main Street, 50 years of service. Mike, the Titans have been around in uh, Nashville, what now, 25 years? Is that, is that where we're at in Nashville now? Mm, 98, because they were seven, here in 98, yeah, so yeah, 25. Well, 25 26, plus 1998 is, no, yeah, no, but your math's right. You're, my yeah, math's yeah. right. My math's right. No, 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 no. This is their 26th year in Nashville. 20, 26th year in Tennessee. 2023 no, in Tennessee. minus 1998 is 25. Right. But what if, what, what if you start with one, <laughs> right? Season one, and then you go to what? Say, say they started in 2021, right? And then they went to 2020, or say they started in. Sorry, 2001 to 2023. How many years would they have been here? That, that's been, uh, well, I guess years, you got to right? count the 2001, right? Right, yeah. But are they, But is it 25 seasons or 25 years? They've is there been a difference? here, so 1998, they've been here 26 years. I, are, do, am I making th- something up that they have a 25th year patch this year? They, yeah, they don't have a 25th year patch. Are you sure? I, I, I thought I saw people like complaining about either way. <laughs> Rank this season as most miserable to least miserable. Like I, I find myself thinking that this team is the most, it's definitely the most disappointing season. Okay. And, and I, the reason I say that is because any season that they lost to like the AFC championship game or whatever, your expectations should have been, adjusted properly and you yeah. you you had your expectations right initially but now then d hop got traded and you you heightened your expectations like a I fool allowed myself to get wrapped up in it because i thought D-Hop was still good and he is still good it he just is doesn't good. fucking matter it just doesn't matter and and the reason it doesn't matter and this is what i really want to dive into right off the top we talk about the coaches we talk about mike vrabel 
we talk about the second year rookies that didn't make the jump and all this stuff leading into possibly why the Tennessee Titans are where they're at. But in all honesty, and I have a PK segment on 102.5 with Robin Rexor to thank for this. To me, it's just like, yeah, but those things, like we know the coaches are good. We've seen the coaches have, have been good. We see that the offensive system is different. There's been something missing because like Chig and Traylon Burke shouldn't matter that much. And what it is that has been missing is our discussion on all the players with big contracts not living up to their big contracts. Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, you have to include Jeffrey Simmons because if you're going to pay him the big money, he has, and I think he has been better than what most people like to think he is, but he's not been worth the contract. Harold Landry has not been worth the contract. Uh, they, they didn't pay a lot of money to Andre Dillard, but they play, paid starter money to Andre Dillard, and he's going to count against the cap next year when they cut him. He's not, he didn't live up. There are, the list goes on and on. Amani Hooker, Kevin Byers. I mean, like, it's Aziz Al-Shair and Sean Murphy Bunting are the only people that I feel like, and I know Aziz had one bad game, but they're the only people I feel like they're living up to their contract that are recently signed. I mean, Luke Gifford, again, not, and Daniel Brunskill is too. He's had one bad game, and everybody wants to, like, shit themselves over the one bad game. But for the most part, like, none of these guys are living up to their expectations besides, like, Three like D Hop, Murphy Bunny, and Aziz Al Shair, and they're Aziz Al Shair is in a relatively basically the running back of the defense kind of role, easily replaceable. Sean Murphy Bunting has done a fantastic job, and I don't think people talk about it enough. And um, and DeAndre Hopkins is just DeAndre Hopkins, but he can only do so much. He can't run the ball, he can't block, and he can't he can't throw it to himself. Maybe he could, I don't know, but he can't throw it to himself, and it. It's just an utter disaster of remnants of the John Robinson era that they've clung to for far too long. And yes, there are certain things that make the contracts look bad. There's restructures and everything. But at the end of the day, your job as a professional to get your salary is to do your fucking job. And I'll be completely honest. The reason that expectations have not been met in this disappointing scene is because of everybody to, uh, suddenly deciding, well, we're just not going to show up to work today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, I think that's part of it. I do think that's part of it. But I also think part of it is, like, the Titans cut a bunch of guys, you know, this past off season that everyone said, well, you know, they were hurt, they missed a bunch of time, yada, 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 you know, Taylor Lewan, uh, even Bud Dupree, Ben Jones. um, you know, guys like that, uh, there's probably a few more that I'm leaving off here. Uh, they don't let David Long walk in free agency, yada, yada, yada. I get those guys were hurt and they missed time. But also, like, two of them are when, retired. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, fair enough. But, but when they were, but when people were looking at the roster, they were like, well, they already were playing without them. Yeah. That's part of the reason they sucked down the stretch was because they were missing all those guys that helped them win when they were healthy. Um, and so I think that's a big thing that, you know, people just were happy that they were gone because they had been hurt and thought, well, we're going to put someone else in that'll be better. And the Titans went out and got a bunch of fucking backups from other teams, signed them and tried to put them in as starters. And this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. But they it's not them. I, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, besides Andre Dillard, it's not Brunskill's fault. It's not Aziz Al-Shair's fault. It's not Sean Murphy Bunting's fault. 
It's Kevin Byard's fault. It's Jeffrey Simmons' fault. It's Derrick Henry's fault. It's Imani Hooker's fault. It's Ryan Tannehill's fault. It's Derrick Henry's fault. Like you can let you can get to several players before you get to the free agent class, except for Andre Dillard. Here's the here's the thing though. I think they they let a bunch of guys go, some of which were like star level players for them. Not maybe not like super star level players, but like Lawan. Ben Jones were super important players to this this football team. Yeah, they've retired, so they should not right. count in whatever argument. Okay, you're but, trying but to they make. do count because we're looking at like why this team is bad now, right? And like they were here last year, then they were gone. Um, they were here when the Titans were good, then they were gone, right? Like so, those pieces left, and they brought in a bunch of backups, uh, and they hoped that like the backup guys would be able to be good enough to plug holes they are good enough to plug holes they're they are good hole pluggers they are not stars they are not elevating this team um they i mean you you have jeffrey simmons even if we're gonna say all the good guys are playing really good which they aren't but simmons byard uh as far as like really guys that are, are supposed to be stars henry that's probably it and then they were hoping chigaconquo uh, Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, all these guys that are young and and should be ascending talents. We got to include Monty good. Hooker, Christian Fulton. I mean, those are guys they were counting on to take a major well, they, step yeah, forward. Yeah, counting well. on, to, but they weren't counting on them to be stars. I don't think you know they were counting on them to be good, good role players. And I think Hooker's been fine. Um, and, yeah, you know, Fulton he's had not. two just t- when he's bad. He's bad. Like he's I mean, had, that's, a, he's that's, had a couple I think bad games. He's I think had some that's really the thing good to me too. is like if there's a difference between being bad and it being like terrible. And right. this team has a lot of players that are deciding to be terrible at the same time, like Amani Hooker and Kevin Byard. I think they just had one of the most abysmal games I've ever seen from safeties. I mean, just pathetic. And then you add in Christian Fulton, who's playing patty cake with the running back instead of actually tackling. He's just like. He just goes up to him and just like barely touches him. And and then Jeffrey Simmons can't do it all himself and players and opposing teams are scheming it up. And then whatever is going on with this T.R. Tart thing is just insanity to me. Like this T.R. Tart thing is just just borderline nuts. And I do feel like I, I don't know. And and I don't know this, obviously, but it, it you get the sense that like maybe that's who Jeffrey Simmons is talking about as far as like guys that don't want to be out there or whatever um, with Tart sitting out and it sounded like Terrell Williams was frustrated that he was sitting out maybe because it was like he said something yeah, he about like, like let it slip I don't and know then he got it backtracked <laughs> he said like I don't know what's going on with Tier or something like that which like I mean it, he definitely sounded frustrated in that clip that that PK had from uh, a week ago but it's you know one of those things that like. I feel like there's a lot of frustration both on the coaching staff and in the locker room. Um, and I feel like it, it all comes down to like this roster has been left to rot. It's just been left to fucking rot because of the 20 and, and people are probably sick of hearing anyone talk about the 2020 to 2022 draft classes, but that's why this team sucks. You can't go three draft classes and get like two good players out of it. Can I say something? I think you have to include all the draft classes together to me from 2016 on, because I mean, they didn't keep hardly any of them. Well, that's the other thing. You didn't resign. You didn't resign the stars that you did draft. You didn't keep AJ Brown. Like, you you know, you try, you were, and I, and I will say, you know, I I listened to some of Jared, Jared Stillman show yesterday. He was talking about, he was talking about the, uh, the team having a um, uh, arrogance problem 
I think he's exactly right, to be honest. I think well, they well, listen, have in, we have said have that had first. An arrogance problem. We we have said that when it was three of us on this show with Mr. Lebowski. We I I know we have said that. So technically he's ripping us off and he's agreeing with us. I just want to throw that out there. But but I think I think John Robinson was arrogant in the fact that he thought he could just go get some more guys like AJ Brown, that he could just go get another you know, right tackle like Jack Conklin, that he, that he could just replace all these guys because he'd had that really good run at the start of his tenure. And I think that went to his head and that success honestly kind of made him like just make bad decisions. I, I, I feel like it influenced his decision-making in a way that, that negatively affected the team. And frankly, I think Mike Vrabel has some of that right now too, because my biggest fear right now is that he talked in that press conference, what was it, Monday, mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, well, that season we won 12 games. You know, I remember reading mean tweets in one of the team <laughs> meetings and, and everyone laughed, and then we went on to win 12 games. Mike, that's not of, fucking happening of, this year. Yeah, plenty of material, though. <laughs> well, yeah, there's plenty of material out there, but that's not fucking happening this year. And, and he also talked about, you know, 2019, and everyone's talking about 2019. Well, they started 2-4 and that season. They went on to the AFC Championship game. By the way, that's the furthest any team's ever made it after starting 2-4 and four in the history of the National Football League. So that is an outlier of all outliers. And to suggest that a team is going to do that again, the same franchise is going to do that again, four years later is the most wishful of wishful thinking. And there's no basis for it. Like that team had a good offensive line that had gotten Luan back from suspension two weeks prior and was still, they were still gelling. They, they hit the ground running. They, they had AJ Brown who was already showing signs of being great as a rookie and then really emerged over the second half of the season. They had the quarterback switch from Mario to Tannehill who Tannehill had started 88 games and had been like a 500 level quarterback over the course of his career. That's none of that stuff is going to happen this year. There's none of that on this roster that is waiting to be, you know, there's not a Taylor Luan that is just waiting to be inserted in this lineup. There's not a AJ Brown who's going to, you know, emerge over the second half of the season. It's not happening. This team is going fucking nowhere. You can't, you can't rely and accurately predict. Yeah, and you can't rely that Traylon Burks is going to be anything. And, and I'm going to talk about it stacking the inbox, but both Chig and Traylon Burks, when they're targeted, negative expected points added. Like, yeah, that's they've been awful. bad. They've been they've bad been when horrible. they're healthy, you know? But but my biggest fear is that, that Vrabel is going to allow that 2019 season to cloud his judgment, and they're going to throw hobbled Ryan Tannehill back out there against the Falcons. And and continue to just try to like cling to relevance in the AFC South for as long as they can, and waste all this time where they could be getting Will Levis, Malik Willis, whoever. I think it should obviously be Willis or Levis, um, but they you're going to waste all this time where they could be getting Levis real reps, real preparation, finding out if he's good or not. Finding out if he can play, like you're not going to get a final answer, but you could get a lot more information if he's playing and getting reps with the ones. Let me ask you, can you not get a final answer? I mean, can you not uh, see pretty close whether he can? You could get a good he, idea. Let me ask you this. I think I think what people, I mean by final answer, remember the 20-60-20? I think you could figure out where he's going to fall in that. 
Like if he's a 60%, like he's Kirk Cousins, okay, well, you can kind of, it's not going to be great, but maybe with the calorie saps or salary cap situation, maybe as the years go on, you could build around him and he could be a, a, a borderline 20 percenter. But like, I think you could pretty much tell, I mean, you could tell a lot in the, in your I, first season. I don't you, think it's that as cut tell, and dry as everybody is. You could tell more, but like, I don't know. I think about like Josh Allen, if they'd made that call on Josh Allen after one year, it would have been that he sucked. Right. And, yeah. and same with Jalen hurts. Same with um, uh, who was the other example? I was saying it, uh, Jared Goff, who has who hasn't turned into like a star, but he's playing really fucking good football right now, and his rookie year was abysmal. So like, there's definitely examples of a guy being completely lost as a rookie and eventually putting it together and turning it into a pretty good starter. So I don't think you close the book on Levis, no matter what he looks like over the rest of this season. But if the team gets into a situation where they have like a top five pick, which I don't think is outside of the question. Like, I, I think that's in play, especially oh, if the second, the second half of the schedule away. does not bode well for, for that. Well, well, and we'll, we'll I, talk, we'll talk about that. We, we can talk about that, but the, I think if this team ends up with a top five pick and has an opportunity to get maybe a Drake may, maybe uh you know, whoever your, your QB three du jour is, uh, I think you have to know something about Levis to make that decision, right? Because, I mean, you're going to be in a spot where you rarely have been uh, in the history of your franchise, and that is a spot to get a potential franchise quarterback in what looks like a good quarterback class. So I think you have to know all you can about Levis over the next, you know, what, 11 games um, and be able to make a more informed decision than you would if you sit him in bubble wrap and just, you know, he's getting scout team reps and that's all you see for, for season one for him. You Mike, know, like, I, yeah, well, I, there's a couple of things I want to get to, and, but, and I got to keep it fresh in my mind. First thing is uh, the Titans are celebrating 25 seasons of Titans football. It's on the back of their helmet. Please uh, get some fucking glasses. So well, you 25 seasons of Titans football, but not yeah. in Nashville. Cause we were saying Nashville. So it has been 26 years in Nashville. Yeah. So 25 seasons of Titans football, which they were, were they still the Tennessee Oilers in 98? Yes. Okay. Well, there, there you go. There, there's the difference. Anyway, I knew they were celebrating 25 years of something. I want to get through to some of the comments. Uh, let's start. We're going to go earliest to latest. Uh, Pretty boy Lipschitz, who is a, who is the fan club president for Will Levis. If Will Levis kills it, Brable will have a lot of questions to answer about relegating him to QB three for six weeks. No, he there won't. is absolutely nothing we talked about on a football show, and I know you listen to the show on my football show. But the reason that Malik Willis is was quarterback two was mainly because if Ryan Tannehill is in a, if the t game is out of hand, they'd rather Malik Willis be thrusted in there and get the shit kicked out of him than they would Will Levis. They'd rather have time for Will Levis to, to prepare and, prepare. and we'll, so we're going to, and we're going to kill, he's going to have to answer questions about like no. one, a quarter and a half that Will Levis could have played theoretically. Like let's yeah, settle it, down. Here. It makes zero difference. In fact, I, I predicted that before the season that right. We, we all did. We, you and Braden all two yeah. and Levis. But if Tannehill got hurt and was going to miss significant time, that it would be Levis that would mm -hmm. go in as the starter. And that's what we talked about before the season. So he yeah. has no questions to answer. That. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Cause there's a couple of questions about this. There there's, there's two little questions about, I'm going to throw this out there just real quick though. 
I don't want to talk about, you know, trades and all that right now, but what would we need to get for Hopkins? This is from Bama Brad 1970. What would we need to get for Hopkins for you all to be okay with letting him go instead of being around for Levis? Because a lot of people are like, yeah. let's keep D Hop for Levis. So the PFF Brad Spielberger <laughs> chose three Titans players to trade, which let me say something. Teams, the national media is all about picking apart the carcass of the Tennessee Titans for other teams. Yeah. The local media, it feels like there's, and fans feel like there's nobody of, of true value. But PFF had said uh, they their projection was a 2024 third round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. I'm taking it. Like, to me, I'm just taking it. Yeah, I mean, I I think I would take it too. Uh, I mean, because while I, I do understand the sentiment that like you need to give Levis something to work with, and right now it doesn't look like Burks or Chig are it. Um, I I do think that if you could get a third round pick out of him for a guy that you basically like signed off the street, you know what, a few months ago, and you turn that into a third round pick, that's a pretty good piece of business. And and Hopkins, I think he'll be good next year too. Um, but he's probably not going to be around when this team is ready to contend again. Like, I don't think this is a quick rebuild. I don't think this is one of those things where we're going to be like, all right, next year, 2024, here comes the the Titans. They're going to, they're going to take back over the South. I think this is going to be, I think you're looking at like 2025, 2026, if things go great yeah. over the next you know year and a half uh that that that's the next time that they're really ready to compete and, and hopkins won't be around so you, you, I, I think you're he, in a division yeah. where like the jaguars even with their franchise quarterback still look like the jaguars they're they're a better version of the team that you've seen but they're not some unbeatable juggernaut the the problem is is that it seems to be that the houston texans have struck gold with their offensive coordinator, the uh, uh, head coach, and their quarterback, and they are, they have a head start on knowing that their quarterback is the guy. Anthony Richardson, you kind of got lucky. He's gotten injured, and this is an injury that we're not a Colts podcast, but this is an injury that where you, if you're playing eight to nine games at Lucas Oil Stadium, that's probably going to pop up again. Just saying, a guy that takes hits like that on that turf this does, yeah. this seems like a recipe for disaster. Just ask Andrew Luck. I want to ask you this. This is from Avinning, who has also said this on a football show or alluded to this. Hopkins needs to stay. The guy they can get the highest pick for, they being the Titans, is Mike Vrabel. Instead of firing him, trade him for a pick. Uh, <laughs> so I don't think that he's getting fired, but we also said on this podcast a couple of weeks before John Robinson got fired that John Robinson will get fired. And then he got fired. And I'm not saying that the likelihood is high, but there is a possibility that it is. But what do you think of this idea of like, yeah, just fucking trade Mike Vrabel to someone that will anybody trade for him? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I could, I could honestly see if the Patriots did fire Belichick, I could see them trading for Vrabel. Um, and, and giving up a pretty good amount for him, too. Because, look, I still think, like, regardless of, of how bad it's been the last year, year and a half, um, I still think Brable's a good co coach. I just think he is. Um, we've seen him do a lot with not a ton of talent. Like, as much as we thought those, you know, the talent on the 2019 and 2020 Titans compared to this year's Titans is a huge difference. but. I don't think they were anywhere near the most talented team in the league either of those years, right? And we still haven't seen Vrabel 
paired with like an actually good, like high level quarterback. Tannehill's been good at times and is okay. He's fine. But, you know, it's not like they're giving him, you know, a ton to work with here uh, from a talent level standpoint over the last, uh, you know, few years, especially. So I, I think it's, I think, I still think he's a good coach. I think it would be a bad move for the Titans to trade him almost no matter what, unless you were getting like multiple firsts or something like that, which the Patriots would have a pretty high first you know, coming up here. Hey, um, we get Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick lives just, you know, a couple about 30 minutes away already. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I might, I might take a little coach swap action. That, that, yeah. that might be interesting. Uh, let's see. What do you think? I've, I've heard this mentioned a couple of times, but a lot of people want to say that it's Arden key is one of the guys that he is, that Jeffrey Simmons is talking about because he's had some bad games lately, but, uh, Arden key, you know, five pressures this past weekend, a couple of weeks ago, uh, he had three, I mean, he's got 20 pressures and three sacks on the season. Now, of course, some of these half may of be half are, sacks. Half of them are from week one. Yeah, be I mean, like eight sacks and eight, six hurries, two pressures. But I mean, yeah. he's not been playing terrible. Um, he's had. I think I would say that he's had two bad games. He's disappeared uh, the last couple weeks. I think. Yeah, I mean, he had he had five hurries last week. So you know, yeah. I don't know if he, he that could be technically yeah. you know. And then of course in the. Uh, Cincinnati game, he had a sack, a hit, and a hurry. So, I mean, pretty good game there. But yeah. so, my question is, is do you, I don't think Arden Key's that guy. Now, he may be frustrated Arden Key for snoring next to him for the Tennessee Titans for putting him next to him for whatever fucking reason. But I don't think he's, I don't think he's one of those guys. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Um, I got yeah. one here from Scotland. Howdy from Scotland, my friends, is from Easton. I have a couple brews in me, but I'm here to propose the question. If Will Levis was played the rest of the season, what is the bar slash metric he has to show you? Run that by me one more time. Okay. Basically, if, if Will Levis starts the rest of the season, what does he have to show you to feel good or feel bad? Because we're, we're trying to, because I said on Monday's show, and I want to hear what you think about this, is I don't care about wins and losses anymore. I care about having when the season is done, having more answers than questions. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's maybe not like a specific metric. It's it's you know, do do you see enough like flashes of of positive stuff to to feel good? Um, I, I think it's more of a feel and an eye test thing um, than it is a you know any single metric like i'm not saying he needs to win you know this many games or throw this many touchdowns or have this many yards per attempt i I don't know that it's a metric thing it's more of a feel eye test you know kind of deal to me it's kind of like i'd like to see a i don't care if there's some a lot of interceptions sprinkled in a a lot of quarterbacks throw a lot of interceptions their first year cj stroud is quite the anomaly um but I want to see a guy that can make plays out of structure. And that's that's the big thing that I really kind of care about right now is that for all the talk of Malik Willis's athleticism, for all the talk of Ryan Tannehill's, you know, whatever, for all the good stuff, neither of them can overcome the deficiencies of the offensive line. Other quarterbacks can. Other quarterbacks in the league can overcome deficiencies on the offensive line. And that's just what I want Will Levis to be able to show flashes of being able to do. Because right now, 
this supporting cast is no worse than the Kentucky supporting cast that he was with. The one that the the people that he played with in college that got him first round buzz and had people wanting to trade up for him into the back half of the first round. I mean, that guy exists, so I don't think that this is any worse, but maybe he can just be a tad bit better. Maybe he can hit some of the throws that um, Ryan Tannehill hasn't been able to hit. Sure, it may come with mistakes, but at this point, I think you got to bite the bullet and eat some mistakes just to watch something different because Malik Willis is nothing different. Ryan Tannehill is nothing different, and they're both bad. I mean, at this point, Ryan Tannehill hasn't been the problem, but for week one, he's the reason why they lost. And for the London game, he was shitty for the first half of football. He was terrible. And at this point, you can't have the roller coaster that is an old Ryan Tannehill. Give me the roller coaster of a young Will Levis. Yeah, and I mean, especially with a bum ankle, right? Like, I mean, it's only going to get worse uh, if if he's hobbled and and you know immobile and not able to push off like he wants to. Like all that stuff, it's only going to be worse. I, I just don't, I just don't understand how there there would be any. Which also, here. this injury is not only bad because like. It sucks for Ryan Tannehill, but it's also bad because now his trade value is just shot. Yeah, there is yeah. there is no trade value. No, I mean, I guess you could maybe talk me into like the Jets would be okay with waiting till he gets healthy, and then maybe he can step in for. But I mean, they're like, I don't know how much faith they're actually putting in this like Aaron Rodgers witch doctor thing of you know that his Achilles is somehow going to heal in two months or whatever. Um, but it's uh. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. There's nobody that's going to realistically trade for him at this point. No. Uh, I, w- I want to talk about essentially... <sighs> we we have been big... We're, I, don't, I wouldn't say that we're Ryan Tannehill defenders, even though people would probably perceive it as that. I think that we're just objective facts defenders. Uh, the defenders of obje- objectivity and not subjectivity. Yeah. But objectively, I think Ryan Tannehill's, he's outstayed his welcome. And it, it has nothing to really do with him. If you're getting hit, you know, roughly 100 times, you know, in, in your career here in just Tennessee, and you're getting hit that many times, 100 times just in Tennessee, it's going to take its toll. When you're that old and you're getting injuries, they affect you a little bit differently. And he cannot make plays out of structure. And while it may, and while some of the problems are his fault, I would say that it the the story is concluded. The story I is also so. concluded for Malik Willis, in my opinion. And I I think that putting Malik Willis out there for any game as a starter, barring injuries to other quarterbacks, is a like fireball. Throw your hands up in the air. I'm kind of done with this kind of bullshit staff decision making. Like that's just where yeah. I'm at. Like I I can't trust if. If Frable puts out, because we have seen him not stick with veterans, right? He put in PF in, he tr- he switched out Trey Avery and Christian Fulton here and there. He's ripped out Xavier Newman Johnson. We've seen him make decisions, right, this season that are cr- contrary to the decisions that he's made in the past. And in my opinion, I don't see how you can be objective, objectively look at the body of work of Malik Willis, including preseason including the time that you benched him last year, his overall body of work, 
He is not a a quarterback that you need to see more of to know what he is in the, in Tennessee. He could very much have a Geno Smith career and go somewhere else, and he may turn into something that he he isn't right now. Let someone else fool with that time. To me, I'm I'm here for let's put in Will Levis and let's get it all done. I mean that that. It's got to be it, right? It's the only choice. I don't. I don't see any reason to put in Ryan Tannehill, even if he's like eighty percent healthy. Not at this point, because I mean, look. I mean, I think they're probably going to lose against Atlanta, most likely. I don't think the Falcons are that good, but I think whether I mean first start for Levis, whether you're talking about you put in Malik Willis, whether you talk about putting in Gimpy Ryan Tannehill, I think any of those options, you're probably going to lose that game. To be honest, I, I just. I, don't think that that's going to be a win for the Titans, despite them being at home, you know, in Nissan Stadium, where apparently they're just a totally the Oilers uniforms. Uh, Oilers uniforms too. Um, and I will be there. Be for sad. That. It's going to be sad if they are zero and two in the Oilers uniforms. By the way, I know it really would be uh, a, a huge disappointment. But I, I do think, I mean, and once you get to two and five, like, what are you doing? So uh, that's to me, like, I don't think Tano is going to play just because I don't think he's going to be healthy enough to play. Um, so. To me, it's like, are you really trying to like climb back to 500 and then get Ryan Tannehill in there and like just linger? I, it's just such a waste of time and, and effort and energy at this point. I, it is play Levis and find out what you've got. I, I that's that's the only thing that they can do. And Malik Willis is, I don't think it's necessarily fair to Malik Willis because he got dumped into a situation that has not been great for him um, in that he kind of had to play before he, you know, really needed to or or would have been best for him last year. Um, And he's also, you know, now got another draft pick sitting, you know, right next to him in the quarterback room. It's not necessarily fair to him, but tough shit, you know, like life isn't fair. Uh, this is professional sports. So, you know, I think the Titans have to do what's best for the Titans. And to me, that is playing Will Levis. And the Titans organization, and I wrote this on, on my piece at paulkarski.com, they told you what they thought of Malik Willis when they took Will Levis. And also when they played Josh Dobbs over him in a playoff game, which was effectively a playoff game anyways. Um, so they told you what they think of him. Now, has he improved? Yes, I think he's improved. He's better in year two than he was in year one. But it, has he improved so much that I think they've totally changed their mind and now they think, oh, man, this guy's like, he's it. Like, he's our future. No, absolutely not. I don't think that he's done enough to change their mind. I think his, his career in, like, a best-case scenario is more like, a, you know, and, and Blake Bettingfield wrote this for, PK side too this week. He he compared him to Tyrod Taylor. That would be like a win for Malik Willis's career. Is oh he turns God, into Tyrod be, Taylor, a guy who can be, be like a fringe starter? Yeah, he's, and he's, and Tyrod Taylor's had a good career. I mean, yeah, like, all things. But, but also, like Tyrod Taylor has better timing, knows how to use his legs, makes a lot decisions. further along. Yeah, yeah. He, that, that's that's been my whole issue with Malik Willis is like because everybody's like, well, if he would have because I I sent yesterday like this. For those I didn't tweet it out, they don't need the Malik Willis defenders all up all up on me and everything. But there is an article for Bleacher Report, uh, the heading into the draft, uh, the 2022 draft, and um, it says the 
Detroit Lions cannot afford to pass up on Malik Willis. And I think that is the most freezing cold take I've ever seen. It's like, it could solve global warming. It is so cold. <laughs> and I sent that to a couple of people, and a couple of people said, well, it would be a totally different situation if he landed with the Lions. And I go, what, for, for who? Because the, the Lions drafted Hendon Hooker last year. I could not imagine two different quarterbacks that are further apart in what they were in college than Malik Wilson, Hendon Hooker. And what it what is required to run the Ben Johnson Detroit Lions offense is quick decision making, good decision making, and the ability to throw on time and with anticipation. I don't maybe Mark Brunel work can work some magic with Malik Willis, but like I, I don't think there is any I, I find it that like you're gonna have to give him to like he needs a rehab facility like a, a the Chris Corsek uh, from the San Francisco 49ers defensive line. I don't know who that yeah. guy is who can rehab. I guess it would be Kyle Shanahan can rehabilitate bad quarterbacks. You look at Sam Darnold, but like that would be like one of the few places. Maybe you could take him to Mike McDaniel and he could do something down in Miami because I mean, you just throw deep all the time. But at this point, I don't know that we can say anything other than, Malik Willis's time in Tennessee is an unfortunate situation. They should have never drafted him. Not because of Malik Willis, because they weren't willing to change their offensive philosophy, which has kind of been my whole big thing. He can't be a Ryan Tannehill-esque passer. He can't even be a Will Levis kind of passer. Will Levis has the athleticism to make plays like Malik Willis does, but Will Levis knows how to run a functioning pro-style offense, and that's not Malik Wills' fault that he doesn't know how to do that. That is Hugh Freeze's fault from Liberty. <laughs> so, like, right, I mean, it's not his fault, but un- unfortunate the circumstances have came out this way. Mike, uh, speaking of hindering, uh, I guess, Malik Wills' progress and stuff like that, NPF was put in. He started off with Ryan Tannehill looking pretty good. Uh, the offense started functioning and working better and looking better. And then here comes Malik Willis, and I I don't know. I know he was a blitzed a lot or anything as far as Malik Willis was, and I know Malik Willis held onto the ball along a lot when he was sacked because the threshold is, according to PFF and pass rush one way, is like 2.5 seconds. Yeah. Now, I wrote about this. Most of the pass rushers that sacked Malik Willis, except for maybe the very first one, were longer than 2.5 seconds. That's also who shows up in the data at PFF. Uh, but the problem is that NPF had a hard time sustaining the block. And we, it, even though the pass rusher may have got there slower or faster, yeah, slower than 2.5 seconds, it wasn't really for a lack of NPF was sustaining the block the whole time. Now, it's been over 687 days since he had seen NFL or seen action at left tackle. It's been a long time since he saw action in a in a regular season game in the NFL period because of his suspension. And he just came back to practice. He just started getting the groove of things, and he's at a totally different position in a new offense because it's not the same offense as last year. But everybody's like, well, he just sucks, so he's always going to suck because I think it's confirmation bias. But don't you think, I thought he did a really good job in the run game. And I thought with Ryan Tannehill, he looked much better too. I don't know if that's because Ryan Tannehill got the ball out quicker. And maybe that's what it was. I don't know. But it seemed to me that NPF, I would keep starting him. And it seemed like the the team watched film, came back, 
speaking of players that don't want to be here, said that he wants to be in, in the game. Seems like they're going to roll with NPF. I don't know. I'll give it 11 games of NPF. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth looking at for sure. Um, you know, I, he was not good to me. I mean, th- th- there was way too many just blown blocks and pass protection. Now, I will say one of them, and one of the ones that looks really bad, uh, he gets. it looks like he gets beat inside and like barely even tries to slow the guy down. But that was a slide protection to NPF's sl- NPF side. And so as soon as that rusher went inside, that should have been Skaronsky picking him up. So I think that was actually Skaronsky's bust there. Uh, okay, I think it, we're talking about the same through. one, and I thought that too. I thought yeah. it was Skaronsky's bust as well. Yeah, I think there was a Skaronsky bust in there that a lot of people were attributing to NPF. Um, but I still thought MPF was bad. So um, I, look, I, I think all of your points are valid about him not having experience there, being on a different side, being in a new offense, coming back from suspension, all that stuff. I do think it's worth like the physical ability between him and Dillard. To me, it makes it worth keeping him there just to say, I mean, he, he has an anchor. He has play strength. Those things are apparent on tape. Like you can work with some of the like, mental processing, communication, bus, like those kind of things you can work with. Uh, some of the technique stuff you can work with, but he has the requisite athleticism and play strength to play at left tackle. So I, I think it is worth seeing because look, I know the Titans have a lot of cap space next, next off season. They are not going to be able to sign like superstars at every single position with that cap space. So you are going to have to get some of these guys that are not playing well right now to be playing well next year if you want to compete. So I I think MPF needs to be a starter on this offensive line somewhere uh, next season, whether that's left tackle, right tackle. It would be a dream scenario if you could turn NPF into a even a league average left tackle that you could live with next to Skronsky and you have two pieces of your offensive line figured out at least, and you can focus on the other stuff. Um, so I, I think it's, it's pretty important um, that MPF gets an opportunity. I do. I do think I wouldn't mind seeing Skronsky over there either though. I, I wouldn't mind seeing MPF at right tackle and Skaronsky at left tackle and you figure out, you know, Raiden's at left guard or whoever. Um, because I, I think short of Will Levis turning into like a franchise cornerstone looking quarterback that you can say, all right, we have our quarterback. We're going to build around him as quickly as we can now in 2024. That is the best thing that could come out of this season at this point. The second best thing that could come out of this season would be you have a franchise left tackle on a rookie contract that you are happy with uh, and can build around the rest of the offensive line. And whether that's Skaronsky or MPF doesn't really matter, but if you could find one of those guys that could be a top 15, top you know 16, whatever, left tackle in the league that would be the second best thing that could come out of this season because that is a really hard position to fill usually you can only get you know guys that are drafted really high you're not going to find like there's the other thing with all that money people keep saying well you know we got to get marvin harrison jr or whatever because we can just go sign a left tackle in free agency no you can't 
No, you fucking can't, because that's how you ended up with Andre Dillard. And he was one of, like, I mean, the other option was Orlando Brown Jr., who is not good either, by the way, and commanded ridiculous amounts of money. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs tried to sign Jawan Taylor uh, and move him to left tackle, which lasted like they three weeks. They benched him twice in before the they season. moved him back. Yeah, and then they benched him at right tackle. Um, so it, you cannot find a good left tackle in free agency. It does not happen. It It is one of those positions you cannot find it. You cannot find a bona fide wide receiver one. You cannot find a left tackle. You cannot find an elite. You have to trade for them. You can't find an elite edge rusher. You can't find trade or you have to draft them. Like that's the only two ways to get these players. Exactly. I got, I got, I got, I feel so bad for pretty boy Lipschitz because I feel I'm very hard on, but he just has so many inaccuracies in this message. I, I just have to bring it up. The staff is horrible for a young QB first year OC who is not his first year as an offensive coordinator. He has four, he had three prior yeah. seasons as offensive coordinator. So throw that out there. Who's a play caller, not a quarterback developer that falls on to the quarterback coach and not really the offensive coordinator. And and also if he's kind of was there the, with the, uh, Deshaun Watson, if, if you too. listen to Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson really liked Tim Kelly and credited him with, with helping his development. Yeah. A running back coach who we converted to a quarterback coach. Nope. The court, he was already a quarterback coach and passing. He was quarterback coach for the Atlanta Falcons. And so he came over as a quarterback coach. Someone else already converted him and no one on staff has played the position. Nope. Pat O'Hara has, he was a quarterback, his whole college and NFL and arena football league career. And, so, and was a quarterback coach for several years here. Yeah. Obviously. So, um, so and was, was with a, was Deshaun Watson in Houston as well. So he's been a part of a, staff who has developed a good young quarterback before he became a bad older quarterback yeah um, I, I want to talk about this i think this is an interesting idea that i want to propose to you this is from eldon english on twitter but shrike 113 here on youtube feel like it would be better to have score at left tackle raidens at left guard npf at right tackle then you have three pieces figured out for the chief what do you think about that let's see yeah i mean score, Score ratings and MPF from left to right. I think that's your ideal situation, right? Because then, I mean, ratings only has one more year left on his rookie contract, so you're not getting a ton of uh, runway out of that. But, I mean, I, I honestly think, and this may be controversial, I, I honestly think Aaron Brewer's been okay this year. Um, I like Aaron Brewer. I don't. I don't get the hate. I understand. And like, of course, I don't know if Jared. Still, I didn't oh, listen to Stillman yesterday. God, yeah. But all he says is he's two seventy five, which is just seventy pound. It's every fucking time, yeah, Mike. It drives me he, nuts because yeah, I, I just want to go. He's not two seventy five. Okay, because anyway. it's, yeah, it's it's such an intentional exaggeration of the fact just to to try to bring. I don't think Aaron Brewer has been that bad either. He's been he excellent been, in the run game. When yeah. you get him out in space, he's pancaking someone. He's taking someone out. I, and I, I understand I that there's been times. Listen, let me say something. If you watched enough football, you would see other centers get dog walked by other people. Like it is how many people, pro bowlers, all prolers, has Aaron Donald make made look foolish? Like it happens. Offensive linemen aren't perfect. There's there, there are very few perfect offensive linemen. And center is a tough job, especially if you know, especially for guys doing it for the first time in at his NFL career, right? I mean, he right. played there what one game, maybe two last year, um, and then hadn't done it since college, which he played like every offensive line position in college. Um, but I think 
ended his career as a left tackle, if I recall correctly. I, yeah, uh, I mean, don't forget what game. I think it was the Bengals game where Brewer is suddenly helping out Andre Dillard that Stoney just yeah. brought up. Like, they pull him out from the center to go help the left tackle. I, like, I think Brewer is a good player, I, and I think you can. I don't think he's a long-term solution, but. I think he could be. I, I think he could be, because you're still so? talking about no, a guy who's what, 24 years old. Um, and is playing center for the first time at the NFL level, and he hasn't been bad, bad, right? Like, I'm kind of surprised by this by this turn of events that you're like, okay, yeah, I kind of dig an Aaron Brewer. I, I kind of like it. I like it. I like that you're you're on this side. I, I mean, I I'm not so I'm not like totally. We're, we're not saying he's right? Pro Bowl material, no, right? No, no, we're no, just no, saying no. that like as far as centers go, he's probably a guy that you can keep for cheap because nobody else is probably going to take him to start. So, right. like, you got a cheap starter until you can figure out the rest of your offense. To me, it's like you have a player that you don't have to worry about. Like, you may have – I know – I mean, if you did what Eldon English is talking about, okay, then you, now you have Aaron Brewer. Well, I mean, like, that's four pieces of offensive line that may yeah. be pretty – the be the better four. Brunskill's still under contract next year. Yeah, and, and I think I mean, like uh, and despite my bagging of Brunskill's very bad game against the Ravens, it's a very bad game. It really, it really fucked up the bets. Like all the yeah, bets that yeah. I had, it was it was a terrible, terrible game. It's gone. Yeah, that that and thing's I think gone. Some of those should have been on Hubbard, but that's neither here nor there. Quite possible, but yeah. Either way, I do think there's you could have maybe a st- stable offensive line next year. It, it might not be good but it would at least be stable and you could draft rookies and not necessarily have to play them right away too. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's the thing. Cause you got Jalen Duncan and John Ajukwu in the wings. Well, that's true too. You got some young guys that maybe develop into something. So, I mean, it, it is, but that's the thing. Even if you do draft, unless you, unless you draft like Olu Fashano or Joe, or, Alt. Uh, or Joe Alt, I don't know that I'm like ready to start any of these other guys like Marius Mims day one or uh, or what's your guy Latham uh, from Alabama. Yeah, uh, I not- am very surprised at how high Latham is going, to be honest with you. I mean, I know it's yeah, an Alabama they, pedigree and everything, but it, it, it's also like a, a lot of people have them in top 10, top 15. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't I'm not so sure about that one either. Um, but I mean, I, I do think. Those two. Fashanu and Alt are the two that you would plug in and start right away at left tackle and be probably okay. Like you'd probably be okay next year uh, starting either of those guys because they've had a ton of experience. They've been consistently very good. And I feel like you could have like a really nice and exciting left side of the offensive line with one of those guys and and Skronsky, uh to build around. But yeah, I mean, you're not too far away from an offensive line that, that actually looks competent moving forward. Um all we've said is that they just not need to be the worst. And they're technically, by all intents and purposes, not the worst in the yeah. NFL. I mean, the Giants, the Redskins, I mean, of course, or sorry, the Commanders, but of course the Commanders are like, all their sacks apparently are blamed on Sam Howell, which is yeah. insane to me that Malik Willis and Ryan Tannehill neither got any sack responsibility or pressure responsibility crazy, uh, this past yeah. week, which I thought was, I this whoever is charting for PFF, for the, specifically at least for the Tennessee Titans, I think they need to hire a new intern or hire someone else because, I mean, this guy is not – I have never disagreed so hard week in and week out with some of these assessments. Yeah. But, Mike, you know, this offensive line is not the worst, but the problem is is that, like, there's six or seven touchdowns left on the table. Like, yeah. I mean, again, another touchdown, this one because of NWI, 
another touchdown left on the table. And it's something that you've kind of talked about. And it's, I think people, this is what I watch the press conferences for yourself. Don't if then get on Twitter and see what everybody wrote or everybody's analysis, because everybody is taking out of context or out of what he's meaning about right about not being afraid to be, get into the drop back passing game. And I think they're afraid they're afraid for multiple reasons, but Ryan Tannehill, like we have talked about, cannot make plays out of structure and they need a quarterback to do that because they don't have a top tier offensive line. They do not have top tier pass catchers. So when you don't have either of those things, even if they're not the worst in the league, you have to have a guy that can maximize the talent around him. And Ryan Tannehill cannot do that. Malik Willis cannot do that. That being said, um, I feel like the offense is the mo- is is about the most modern looking offense Tennessee Titans have had. I don't know how you would describe Arthur Smith's offenses if they're exactly modern, but it, I feel like was, this is it was modern. modern. Yeah, I feel like this is pretty a pretty modern defense. It's not like Andy Reid modern, but it's if you're comparing it, it's like the Iron Age versus the Stone Age. That's where we're at. Yeah. I, I, so to me, the offense is interesting because there's, I feel like they're torn between two things. I think, I feel like they're torn between the offense that, that Tim Kelly wants to run, um, which I think is a lot more of this empty set, shotgun, uh, you know, kind of quick passing game. It really should benefit Levis. I mean, I just feel like it, it should. Does. It should. I think it's, it's a good offense for him. Um, and the old offense that Derrick Henry kind of needs to be maximized, right? So, like, I feel like they're just halfway in, halfway out between this offensive transition that they're going through. And I feel like it's it hurts them in a way because they, they're it's just not consistent or or cohesive. Like, it feels like they're running two different offenses depending on who's in the game at running back, right? So, I, I just think it's um. I don't know. I, I I do like a lot of what Tim Kelly does uh, schematically, um, and, and I think there's some some stuff that could be better too. But I I just I don't know. Part of me feels like if they traded Derrick Henry, maybe we see an offense that is that makes more sense uh, and, and is more consistent, just because they are now fully focused on you know, this is how we're going to play. This is how we want to play. Not, well, we got to, we got to do the Henry stuff too. Uh, and trying to like balance the two. Right. And I thought, and I will say this, I thought Tim Kelly did a piss poor job of getting the, they, they had a lot of snaps. Ty J Spears and Derek Henry each had a lot of snaps. And I thought he, and I'll, I'll be objective about it. I thought he did a piss poor job getting the ball in their hands when they were on the field. I don't care about snap counts. I care more about touches, and I think that Derrick Henry should have had more touches, and I think Tajay Spears should have had more touches, and they were on the field each to have more touches in a game where the running attack was working, where getting them out in space was working. Three of the four carries that Tajay Spears had were straight up the middle. Why? That's not who he is. I I, I had a real problem with the way the run game is good, so that means... Um, that to me goes on 
what the the plays that he is calling. I just feel like he did a really bad job in that area. And that's the first time I can really say that I thought he did a really terrible job at something, which is bound to happen. It was bound to happen to think that he's done a really terrible job at something, but seven touchdowns to seven touchdowns. Like you have to give the, you have to remember that the, the, the plays left on the field that the players didn't execute are the reason why there's not more points, not more wins in the column. And a lot of that has to do with Ryan Tannehill. One of them is on NWI, but like a lot of that is on Ryan Tannehill. And that's just, it is what it is right now. Like that is, that is where the Tennessee Titans are at in, in 2023. And that's why they're such a difficult thing to watch. Um, Let me ask you this question is from Kenneth crawl. Let's say Levis is a hit. How would you and Mike arrange the order of needs? I don't even know where to start. Feels like corner and O-line are still the worst. And I I think I lean. It depends on what happens with NPF more than Will Levis, in my opinion. I'm a big Keon Coleman guy. Like, it's going to be really hard for because where I think the Tennessee Titans are going to be drafting and who will be available, I feel like it could be either Keon Coleman or Brock Bowers, right? But Brock Bowers is coming off an injury and an ankle injury where he's going to have to have surgery. And I don't really know if I want to go through that mess again. But I feel like Keon Coleman, he's 6'4, he's a massive target. He can get open down the field. Like it seems to me, Keon Coleman is a no brainer for this team outside of like a Marvin Harrison Jr. But I have to say, it's wide receiver unless there's an elite, elite corner that's better than that wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways they could go, to be honest, because to me, when you look at the Titans roster, you know, I, I feel like there's like five premium positions in the NFL. And it's obviously quarterback, which we're going to say is checked off by Levis in this hypothetical. Uh, tackle, both tackle spots, I guess you could say. Wide receiver, corner, and edge rusher. I don't think the Titans have an elite one of any of those positions on the roster. So if you can get an elite one, I think you just get the most elite guy at any of those positions and put them in there because they need them all, right? They need them all. They need a, they need a left tackle for sure. Uh, They need a wide receiver for sure. They need a corner for sure. They need an edge rusher for sure. Because I mean, I I do think, so I do think Landry and I, I, we should probably talk a little bit about the discourse about Harold Landry right now, because it's like everyone don't forgot. defend him. Don't defend him. Well, no, it's like everyone forgot that he had an ACL injury last year, and and everyone spent all offseason saying, "Look, it's going to take him some time to come back from this thing. He's not going to come back and be the player he was last year, and he's been terrible uh, so far this year." But this happens almost every time a guy comes back from an ACL injury. We saw it with Taylor Long. We saw it with Bud Dupree. I just never thought he was that good. So, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. I mean, I've said the same thing that you've said, that people and, and are, are over, had I did, I don't the wrong think, expectations for Landry. And I don't think he's elite. I don't think he's an elite edge rusher, even at his best. I think he's good, but I don't think he's elite. So, I, I, I think he's going to be back to closer to what his pre-injury form was next year. I don't even know if you see it this year, maybe very late in the season if you're lucky, but this is what happens with everyone who comes back from ACL. So next time someone on the Titans tears an ACL, go ahead and say, okay, he'll be back in a year and he's going to suck for a year. And then he'll be good two years from now, because that's what happens like 99% of the time at this point. So I I think Landry's expectations Look, he should be his snap count should be way reduced 
They should be tra- playing Travis Gibson I way mean, what more. What the fuck are they doing? Like, that is just so apparent. <laughs> yeah, it, it is obvious that Travis Gibson is playing much, This analytics much, department much uh, needs to get off their ass and get, get in there, march in there, and be like, just put up signs. Like, please start Travis Gibson. Please start Travis Gibson. Put him in more. Put him in more. And here is why. <laughs> like, they got to. And and I will also say that the uh, the whole thing, like people keep saying, you know, I, I made a post about Landry and Gibson, and it's crazy. I think Gibson has like 17 pass rushes this year and has yeah. uh, five pressures. Uh, Landry has like 150 or something like that and has six pressures. So it's like a stunning difference in, in effectiveness. But all the comments underneath were like, well, he's not going to get benched because, you know, they paid him. And all that, which is bullshit. They just binged Andre Dillard, who they just paid. Like, they, it's not they, really it about not the reason. Like, it's not. It, it is. It's just reduce. It's yeah, sliding the, the levers up and down. Not like yeah. a dramatic thing of like, wow, you're benched. You're never playing again. Um, I think they should let him work through this thing. But at like twenty snaps a game, thirty snaps a game, not. 48 50 you know whatever he's playing give those snaps to gibson and and bury fucking rashad weaver on the bench i'm so done with rashad weaver he does fucking nothing does nothing he never like he has zero pressures this year did you know that you think they'll play this clip on the uh (laughs) in the locker room to get everybody going i hope so i hope i hope rashad weaver has six fucking sacks when he comes back (laughs) against the falcons we're gonna play this clip we're gonna know that they played this clip Zero as many pressures as you and me this year. Yeah. Uh, Mark Jordan may be new to the show. He may not follow us on Twitter for very long. With hindsight, should Titans have paid AJ and let Hendry and or Simmons walk? Here's my response to that. They could have had all three. There's nothing preventing them from having all three. it, it, It is the AJ thing was not an either or. It was a value discrepancy between what J-Rob thought he was worth and what AJ thought he was yeah. worth. There's nothing more than that. But, and if you see people say that, Mark, I encourage you to tell them, say, hey, they could have afforded all three. They yeah. could have afforded all three. Let's yeah, end it. Let's done. end that. Let's try, let's try to come together as a family. That's right. And band together from this narrative that you could only have had one or the other. Like they chose these two guys over AJ Brown. They just didn't choose AJ Brown. They didn't choose him over other people. We are deputizing all you F words yes. listeners to go spread the good word that the Titans could have paid AJ Brown had they wanted to and kept whoever else they wanted to to. Uh okay, so we were talking about wide receiver and everything and and the left tackle situation. I want to get into the defense. Oh boy. This defense played really well when they were in the red zone, but they played horrendously <laughs> the other 80 yards and the special teams was, was a disaster. Um, you're, you're, you're with, you, uh, let's talk about special teams. No, oh, man. I almost forgot. I know where, I know where this is going. Okay. I was wrong. They shouldn't have let Kyle Phillips touch a fucking punt. Okay. okay thank you. Okay. Well, then we won't spin, but I do want to <laughs> say something. Craig Ackerman has not been made available for media availability these last few weeks. And he is the guy that should be telling Kyle Phillips, hey, you're probably going to be getting at the five. Do not touch the ball. Do not touch the ball. Where is this Craig Ackerman accountability? And I am sick of this guy being employed by the Tennessee Titans in the role of special teams coach. He is not good at it. And he has never been good at it. And I'm sick of it. 
Well, he's making he's up. making Nick Folk make all these field goals now. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> hey, did you see Chad Ryland over there in New England? He has not been good. They really chose the they, uh, the wrong yeah, one they, over there. They fucked that one up. Yeah, um, uh, but uh, this defense. Are we just in for an inconsistent ride? Will they ever find consistency, or is it going to require a players-only meeting from Jeffrey Simmons to kick some ass, and is it going to require T.R. Tart's presence? Like, what is the solution for this defense? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know on that, because I, I feel like the, the pass rush has really slowed down over the last, what, two weeks now? Um, you know, since the Cincy game, for sure. Simmons to me is still playing pretty well. And I know people are down on Simmons for whatever reason, but he has 25 pressures, which is, I, I think he's played most I played, think, among defensive yeah, tackles. I think he's played well. I don't think that he's been the game changer, but also yeah. I don't think that the defense right now is set up where the offense has to focus on anybody except for Jeffrey Simmons. Like that. I feel like everything is going on Jeffrey Simmons right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think, um, I think the pass rush is a little bit, uh, it, it just feels like it's fizzled out a little bit. They need someone else to emerge besides Simmons and Autry. Uh, and Key was going to be that guy, but he's kind of like, you know, kind of like we said, he's been a little up and down uh, and Landry's just been purely down and playing a ton of snaps. So maybe that's Travis Gibson. Maybe it's putting in Travis Gibson and letting him play more snaps and that that gets them back to to being more of a like presence, like an every down presence uh, getting after the passer. Um, but I, I don't know. I think the secondary is still going to be a problem. I, I do think Bayard has lost a step. I, I, I know people don't want to hear that, but he just, I mean, I, he doesn't make it just not good. Anymore. He, he makes tackles and that's fine. Maybe know? it's because and, nobody's tipping the passes for him to, uh, intercept right now. We got to get some more tipped passes going. I mean, I think I mentioned it last week. He's on pace to like set a new career high in targets, and he's he hasn't touched a ball yet. He hasn't touched a ball, so it's. I think it's a problem at this point, and and I think you know Hooker, like we said, has been a little bit up and down. I still think he's. I think Hooker, frankly, has been better than Bayard. Oh, uh, no, over no the doubt. course of the no, season, one hundred percent. There's there's not a doubt within my mind. And I think the sad thing is, I think McCreary's played excellent. I think he's really good. I'm really excited about his development. Um, I think Sean Murphy Bunting's been really good for the most part. He's had a couple lapses here and there, but for the most part, he has been good. The big I feel thing he's gotten bailed out a little bit by PFF uh, charting as well. Maybe a little bit, um, but I think he's, he's mostly been, been helpful. Um, yeah. And But, I mean, it's that glaring other corner spot with Fulton um that that is a major major issue week in and week out um and then the safeties the safeties are not playing up to snuff and i think the linebackers as well because you see i mean a lot of the ravens passing productivity came over the middle of the field and that should be safeties and linebackers for the most part um and they just aren't getting in passing lanes or or or, you know they're able to throw around them or, or whatever it does not feel like they are able to affect the passing game over the middle of the field like they should be able to. And I now have to find like a heat map or something like that that shows maybe where passes are completed against this defense. But it feels to me like 90% of the production is either deep to Christian Fulton's side of the field or just right over the middle in the in the middle of the linebackers and safety. So, I, I mean, I, I just think it's – that is the area that they have to fix along with getting a little bit more of a pass rush going. 
Yeah, I thought I thought Aziz did rebound, and I don't think either linebacker was that bad in coverage. And I I just think that, you know, somehow Harold Landry got matched up with Zay Flowers like four or five times. Yeah. Like it's something ridiculous, and he just he just can't be that guy. And he he made some good plays in the pass rush, but he can't be dropping back in coverage. I just you know for me, the way that Vrabel described it was just how kind of like. I guess the offense maneuvered their uh, weapons around, and they got it. They created the mismatch on Harold Landry. It's not necessarily they wanted Landry on Zay Flowers, but that's just how the mismatch went. And then he just got embarrassed by Zay Flowers on that. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think they wanted that matchup, but the, I think the Ravens did a good job of getting that matchup by formation, motion, all that stuff, um, and, and targeted that that matchup. Um, so good scouting and, and play design by the Ravens. And yes, Mike, they should not be dropping Landry into coverage yeah, because yeah, he's yeah, but yeah, yeah, even yeah. less agile than, than, uh, uh, you know, he normally would be. Mike is, I mean, we got to buy weeks. We don't have to watch Tennessee Titans play football this week, but when do you expect for there to be clarity at the quarterback position? Do you expect, that it's going to be like the day of the game uh, against the Falcons, or do you think they'll actually announce it on Friday before the game, or do you think we'll get an answer earlier in the uh, earlier than that? That'll be interesting because I, I mean, my guess is they'll want to conceal it from the Falcons, uh, so they can't prepare for Willis or prepare for Levis or whatever. Uh, not that there's a ton to prepare based off of for either guy, especially in this current offense, um, but. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like they're going to try to keep it under wraps as long as possible. I can't imagine them being able to keep it a secret past Friday. Like, I, I think it's going to come out, um, you know. That, this Friday? No, not this Friday. Friday. The, Friday. Friday before the game. Um, so I think it'll end up coming out uh, in probably like an Ian Rappaport tweet or something like that. Um, but... Yeah, I think they'll try to conceal it as much as they can. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, you know, hey, they're splitting reps during the the week, you know, leading up to it and and all that stuff. And no, we're not sure, you know, we haven't decided yet or yeah, I don't know. Or or may or he'll probably tell the media, you know, I've made I've made a decision, but I'm not telling you guys. Uh is there anything that's been bothering you that you want to get off your chest besides Tennessee Titans? I mean, like takes or stuff that you saw stuff that you're tired of arguing maybe we can rally the troops and the listeners you know we we deputized them for the aj brown stuff maybe we could deputize them for something else yeah um gosh what uh what has been on my mind here um i i think one thing that that i i feel strongly about is there's this whole narrative about uh Derek Henry and like there was that tweet that went out and, and a lot of people shared it about the passing stats when he is on or off the field. And we have to be very careful about looking at stats like that because Derek Henry plays very specific situations. That was more of a play action passing versus non play action passing stat than it was a Derek Henry stat because Henry only plays first and second downs. He only plays first and second downs that are non-obvious passing situations. He comes off the field anytime it's an obvious passing situation or third down. Those are inherently, not just for the Titans, but for every offense, 
you are a more efficient passing team on first and second down than you are on third down because on third down, you're just trying to get the first down. You're not trying to make a big play generally. Um, you're just trying to go to the sticks and the defense knows it. They're pinning their ears back. They can run all these funky stunts and twists and they don't have to worry about the run at all. It is much more difficult to pass on third down than it is on first and second down. That is not a stat about how Derrick Henry makes this entire passing game work. That is not what that is. And we don't need to assign that credit to him. He is a very good player. Defenses do scheme to stop Derrick Henry. I totally get that. And I do think defenses react a little bit differently to play action with him in the game versus maybe Tajay Spears. But I don't think it's dramatic difference, right? Like if the Titans traded Derrick Henry tomorrow, I don't think all of a sudden they can't pass the ball on first and second down anymore. I think defenses would still react to the play action. I think Tajay Spears would still have an effective ground game. I think he's, he's been productive enough that you would get uh, something out of him. But yeah, I, I just, I think that narrative about, well, Henry, look, look at these stats with Henry on and off the field. It's you're, you're not understanding what goes into those numbers or you're not thinking about what goes into that number. And when you do, you will realize that that number is just, bogus nonsense if you want to give me numbers that compare Tajay Spears on the field for first and second down versus Derrick Henry on the field for first and second down and compare those numbers I would be interested in that information I'm not interested in that tweet that was shared uh that that was going around about Derrick Henry Mike Derrick Henry will end on this subject of people still think he's elite people think that he is needed for Will Levis to succeed because uh, he uh, it's better to have him back there for a young quarterback than it's not. And people think that he is only going to get like a six-round pick. So I ask you, where do you fall on this Derrick Henry discussion? Because I'm at the point where Derrick Henry isn't an elite running back and I'm not sure where he ranks in the top 10, but it's not top five currently, currently his current play. So I got to make a good distinction there. His current play in 2023. And I think that if you traded him, it makes no difference to Will Levis's progression. And I think if you traded him and got a 2024 fourth or third round pick, you should absolutely do it. But I think that he would net possibly you look like at a team like the Cowboys, possibly two picks. I, if they could get a mid-round pick for him, I'd trade him. I, I, I don't think he handicaps Levis's development. I mean, honestly, I think maybe it, it again, like I said, it, it puts them in an offense where they have like a clear direction that they're going and not like, all right, well, we're, we've got the Henry offense and we've got the, the offense that we actually want to run. Um, I think maybe it, it, it clarifies the offense a little bit, frankly. Um, he's still a really good player. I, I do think he's still a top 10 back. I, I even might have him as a top five back still. I'd have to look at the list. Um, and, you know, obviously Nick Chubb's out and, and McCaffrey's hurt now and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know where he stacks up, uh, you know, league-wide. But I think he could still help a team. Um, but if you're not going to re-sign him, 
you've got to trade him, right? Like you can't just let him walk for nothing in the off season. That that's the worst thing that can happen. And that's true for all these guys. Danico Autry too. I think Danico Autry should be traded. If you're not planning on re-signing him, which he's 33 years old, he'll be 34 next year. Um, he's coming to the end of his, you know, high level playing career. Uh, you know, whether that's this year or next year or whatever, the end is coming soon. You need to get something for him if you can. So I, I think the Titans should be sellers. I think they should try to move Henry. I think they should try to move Autry. I think they should. I mean, if Tannehill, you know, Fulton, any of these guys can't can fetch anything, they should go get it. Go get it. Go get as many picks as you can, Rand, because you need them. Because if you don't notice this offense, as we've said for two weeks now, totally bereft of young talent, has to be restocked. So I go get as many lottery tickets as you can to try to find the titans of the future will they will they trade will there be a tennessee titans trade of some sort it doesn't have to be selling anybody it could be buying oh but, god if they buy which would be awful to god but will there be any trade with the tennessee titans yeah i i don't i don't know i tend to think not i i, I tend to think they're Vrabel's going to talk them into just saying, well, let's let's try to go get this win against Atlanta, and then we're three and four, and maybe we can get Tannehill back, and we can win a couple games, and we're right back in this thing, right? Like, I, I think he's going to try to – I think that's what they're going to go to do. And now, I think if they lose against Atlanta, maybe that changes things. Um, and, and if they're two and five, maybe they, they do pull the ripcord and, and become honest with themselves about where this team really is. but. I kind of think that, that that Atlanta game may hinge whether they sell or not. That will do it for us. This has been Football and Other F-Words, brought to you by Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Fantastic selection of beer, wine, and liquor. They've been around for 50 years, and they they are just a fantastic establishment. It's clean. It's spacious. You won't have to worry about like turning a corner or turning around and accidentally knocking off like five bottles with your elbow. There's plenty of room. They have a beer cave, and then they have a little secret beer cave. They have all kinds of great selections, stuff you won't find anywhere else. Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. You can go and read more uh, despair from Mike over at uh, podcarski.com. Uh, Titans are at a crossroads. Time for them to embrace the crossroads. They they Embrace they the low to- road. Uh, embrace yeah. the low road. Embrace, yeah. embrace the low road. Build your build yourself a bridge into future success. Uh, go to stackinginbox.com. We have articles that have came out daily this week with great detail, detailing all kinds of stuff and the fallout from the Tennessee Titans first six weeks. You can follow me on X at Efforts Pod. You can follow Mike on X at Mike Herndon NFL. This has been football and other efforts, and you have just been effed. <laughs>